0: This is Mike Williams, you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome back, everyone, for the week nine edition of the rosterwatch.com fantasy football trade cast. My name is Byron Lambert, and of course, this is where we step through the fantasy football trade market in our leagues every week of the season. Of course, we appreciate very much your continued and loyal support at RosterWatch.com, and if you don't already, we ask that you subscribe to the RosterWatch channel on YouTube or uh, follow us over on Twitter at RosterWatch. Of course, you can subscribe to the RosterWatch podcast on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, We're getting to an important part of the season. Starting to begin to gear up for our playoff runs. Our trade deadlines are beginning to approach. Um, This is the point of the season where we are going to begin contemplating consolidating the depth, the immense talent-rich depth that we've accumulated on our benches through the waiver wire and through the trade market to date on the season. We're going to begin discussing consolidating that depth, into the best starting lineup possible for our playoff purposes. Trade deadlines begin cropping up in the next two to three weeks, guys. Uh, I see some trade deadlines cropping up as soon as the 14th, which is you know basically a week out from now. So um, we need to start getting a handle on the strategy here. We need to understand what our situation is with our team and our league, uh, what moves we're actually in position to make that are strategic and logical, in our our best interest for us, but kind of big picture, uh, this is the juncture where we begin switching gears with the playoffs in mind. Um, If we are a first or second place team, there's a very good chance that we're in position to go ahead and pursue these strategies, begin pursuing these strategies this week. Um, You know, the way I like to usually say it is, this is when the team's at the top of the standings in your league should begin going big game hunting on the fantasy football trade market with very little regard for price and a willingness to overpay. And the reason is the depth that we've accumulated has been critical to navigating the attrition of the season, especially this year. And again, not every team is ready to start making this move yet some of you guys still are going to need your depth the next few weeks in order to contend for a playoff spot but big picture once we get to the playoffs this outstanding talent rich depth we've built across our roster down into our benches isn't really going to serve us in the playoffs we're leaving a lot of meat on the bone leaving a lot of table when we a lot on the table when we've got a lot of player equity on our benches in the playoffs that we really won't be able to utilize obviously if you aren't in first or second place or operating from a great position of strength or luxury uh chock full of assets in your league currently uh, you know we're still fortifying our teams and trying to win now through the consolidation or the liquidation side of the fantasy football trade market depending on what we've identified as our situation and our needs Um, don't forget we can also continue to balance our rosters via one-for-one interpositional trades. Don't forget that one of our strategies is to look for players, especially notable or marquee players who are on a buy this week that represent maybe an artificial purchasing moment on the trade market for these fellas. We've got Cincinnati, Cleveland, the Rams, and the Eagles. On by this week. I think actually it brings into focus some of the injured players who are already somewhat artificially by lows at the moment uh, that are rostered on those teams, uh, potentially come into more focus this week. The other thing that we need to continue to concentrate on is we need to examine the losing teams in our league, we need to examine their rosters the ones that are on the bubble even, fighting for that playoff spot. Let's examine their rosters. Let's see what their needs are. If they have holes in their rosters, these are great teams to approach to try to pick off their best players or just to do deals with, right? And uh, oftentimes that works in opposite. If we're looking at the liquidation side of things, let's say we're one of those teams on the bubble or one of those teams struggling, and we've identified that we're struggling because we need more good players in our starting lineup. we got holes every week we're filling with, marginal players you know flip it on its head you guys should approach the teams in first or second place in your league that you know maybe only have one or two losses and have a ton of good players up and down their roster those are the teams that you can get to quote unquote overpay uh, in order to help fill out for maybe for one of your better players in order to help you fill out a better starting lineup and 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 ultimately it's it's a scary sounding word anytime we're Trading, Talking about overpaying or whatnot. But the fact is, both parties can win in that circumstance. All right, folks, let's go ahead and dive into the sell side of the week nine fantasy football trade market. We'll begin with Zeke Elliott, a player that uh, we've talked about a few times on this podcast. And, you know, look, you got to be careful. Uh, We talked about this before when we were thinking about buying low on Zeke. Sometimes that's a mirage. Sometimes when you are trying to buy low on somebody, um, you need to realize that on occasion you're just buying a bad player who is in a bad situation. And, you know, we'll never call Zeke Elliott a bad player, but certainly he is in a bad situation. And to me, you know, much of this will be circumstantial based on the marketability in your league, but to me he's clearly a sell. If you can sell him for something respectable that's going to help you now or more down the stretch – I would absolutely consider doing it. I'm a Zeke Elliott owner myself. He's averaging only 7.5 points per game in half-point PPR formats over the last three weeks. His high score was eight points in Week 6. He gets a really difficult matchup this week versus Pittsburgh. That's Zeke Elliott. And then it's a Week 10 bye for Zeke. Uh, So it's been three bad weeks. It's probably going to be a tough week this week with Cooper Rush is probably the starting quarterback. Then we got a bye next week. That's five lost weeks for Zeke owners uh, after a good start. I mean, that's the difference in a winning and a losing season. That's the difference in making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. And, of course, Zeke never a must-sell. I think his situation obviously can't really get worse. It should improve a little bit over the course of the season. But, I mean, it's difficult to argue he's anything more than, you know, a running back two at this point. And I'd, I'd actually feel better if he was only my flex at this juncture, clearly room to improve. Uh, but look, Zeke doesn't have a great rest of, ske- rest of season schedule after the bye. So it's not like you're getting some big relief if you stick it out this week and next week after you've already absorbed the previous three weeks. It's unclear at this point when and if Andy Dalton is going to return. And frankly, how much that's even going to help. Uh, Dalton was bad in his first start. Then he got concussed in his second start. Now Dalton's on the COVID-19 list, and they're saying he wasn't asymptomatic. So, you know, he got at least a little bit sick. So we'll we'll have to see what his recovery is like there. And, you know, then we have Zeke popping up here uh, this week on the injury report as limited with the hamstring. All things to monitor, all things that have probably already greatly affected Zeke's marketability in your league. But still, he's one of those guys with a name value. That less informed players can oftentimes think uh, they're just buying low on. If that's the case in your league, I absolutely believe you should investigate moving Zeke Elliott this week for players who can help you more now and down the stretch. Todd Gurley, Atlanta Falcons running back, 3.8 yards per carry, 2.5 targets per game, 44% touchdown dependent in standard leagues. Not a great profile for a fantasy running back. But it's been a great ride the last six weeks, exactly as we had planned with Todd Gurley. He's really delivered from a fantasy perspective. Over the last three weeks of that stretch, Gurley's averaged 22 touches per game, the bigger volume than we could have ever expected. It makes you go back to the preseason when Dirk Cutter said that Gurley could have 15 to 25 touches a game. Nobody believed that. We actually saw it there for a couple of weeks. Overall, I think the volume on average has been about what we expected on the season, and it's been fine in that offense. Uh, what we did see is Gurley fall down to 18 touches last week. Uh, as I mentioned, he'd been averaging 22 touches over the last three. So, what does that tell us? Is the previous two weeks he had monster workloads? So, I'd say there's a pretty good chance that last week bringing Zeke down or bringing Gurley down to 18 touches, probably managing his workload in a logical and rational way. I'm not sure it raises huge. Red flags. Um, But, you know, we also have to consider that two of these last three games, even with some of that volume, have been lackluster from a fantasy perspective. Um, Gurley's schedule rest of season. I mean, it becomes definitely becomes more challenging. It's not the cakewalk that it's been the last six weeks. So what we're seeing is we're seeing some of his owners – over on the message boards at rosterwatch.com, becoming anxious, beginning to clamor to sell high on Todd Gurley at the moment. Um, they're anxious that some of the concerns about his preseason profile may begin manifesting down the stretch here, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, you can't forget the Falcons are 2-6 and six and in last place in their division, a very competitive division. Uh, their season is going south quickly. it would be interesting to see what that means for all the principal players as the season progresses continue here on the running back side of the week nine fantasy football trademark market. the sell side going to move over to philip Lindsay here of the denver broncos philip Lindsay, team is optimistic he'll be able to play this week with a toe injury they said he it's labeled a foot injury on the nfl injury report but they said he jammed a few toes this last week philip Lindsay's looked pretty good recently think he's you know he's gotten a little bit of narrative, a little talk, a little bit of hype. He has looked good. but look, it's only eight touches the last two per game the last two weeks on a very on a low snap count for Philip Lindsay, which is pretty much in line with what we saw in week one, I think kind of a tell of what the intention is with the team with Lindsay. And that big volume he got in Week Six, you know, unsurprisingly, appears likely to be an anomaly that occurred when Melvin Gordon was out. Still, Philip Lindsay averaging 11.4 points per game in half-point formats over the last three weeks—that's respectable. People looking at the fantasy bottom line, people kind of hearing the hype, people seeing the highlight plays, and the next three matchups on paper uh, look solid for Lindsay. They really do, um, and even the rest of the season's pretty decent for Lindsey. So, I'd say he's an excellent candidate to consolidate on your fantasy football trade market for somebody who's better in return. Uh, this week, um, you know, send Philip Lindsey and another player or two to a losing team on the bubble who has to win now. Let him have a look at his schedule. And, you know, if that team needs a couple of guys that can help them this week, put Lindsey together with a couple other dudes and get that done for one of the, in exchange for one of that team's uh, better players in return. Absolutely. And this is the kind of deal if you're a winning team with Lindsey on your bench, perfect guy to go shop to a losing team or a team on the bubble who's struggling to fill out a good starting lineup this week. Would absolutely consider doing this with Philip Lindsey. Uh, Another guy in in a better bucket, I mean, I think there's more upside in this situation, but similar bucket, Zach Moss, the rookie running back of the Buffalo Bills. Lots of hype this week, lots of hype right now about Zach Moss. Had a big fantasy game last week, and I totally understand the allure. He fits the profile of the guy that you think could conceivably take the lead in that backfield, uh, you know, however, my belief is that this is still, you can make that argument, but I think if you're reasonable, you'll realize this is still a full-blown split backfield in Buffalo, and I seriously doubt we're going to see any significant separation between Moss and Singletary at this point, especially in the rookie year. I just don't believe it's really going to involve into anything else. So if that hype is permeating in your league about Zach Moss, Uh, I would be, we talk about being opportunistic. You know, when you're going to be opportunistic, it means you've got to be on watch. You have to be aware. You have to be on lookout for these opportunities. And when they just seemingly fall in your lap is when you've got to be ready to strike like hell. Zach Moss, snap counts and touches were almost dead even with Devin Singletary last week. It was the two touchdowns that made the fantasy production look so good at the bottom line for Moss. And on those 14 touches, there were still no targets for Moss, which in most fantasy formats, not only are, it's really critical in all fantasy formats, even standard. Because those targets represent a, a higher efficiency yield, a fantasy return on those opportunities than just your standard old carry for a running back. So look, Zach Moss, a very solid keep with possible upside, a player I like, a player I like in that situation, player I see the argument for more time. Down the stretch. But given the circumstances, Zach Moss is also a perfect candidate to sell high in your league in a consolidation trade to a desperate or losing team looking to win now. He's got two decent matchups the next two weeks Seattle and Arizona before the week 11 buy. I truly think you can take Zach Moss, package him up with another player, ship him off to a team that needs a couple of guys, and get one of that team's better players in return. Hopefully, a buy low player in return uh, so you can kind of get the multiplier on the value that you're taking in there in that deal. I'll give you guys a couple more running backs I think fit that same bucket, you know, to a lesser extent maybe than Lindsey or Moss, maybe not to a lesser extent given the performance this last week. Jordan Wilkins of the Indianapolis Colts and Justin Jackson of the Chargers, two guys I don't trust any further than I can throw them. I think they have short-term marketability. Both had a nice week eight. I think it was 20 points for Wilkins in half point and 16 points for Jackson in half point. Um, There's a little hype around those guys. I mean, these are perfect dudes to package up with Moss or Lindsey or wide receivers of this same ilk. Package them up to a team who needs a couple guys this week and get a better player, you know, in exchange. That's what we're looking to do here on the consolidation side of the market. If I was liquidating, I certainly wouldn't be thrilled to pick up Wilkins and Jackson. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've decided you're on the liquidation side of the trade market this week, maybe this is a little heads up that I would look to do better than Wilkins or Jackson. But for you know the for the fantasy football players out there that don't listen to this or aren't aware of that and they're looking uh, to pick up a couple guys in return. Like if I own Wilkins or Jackson, those are absolutely the dudes I'm trying to offload on a struggling team. Uh, what a coup that would be to get a notable, respectable player in return for Jags like Jordan Wilkins and Justin Jackson, whose value you know, is going to be somewhat ephemeral here down the stretch. Uh, on the wide receiver side of the Week 9 sell market, the fantasy football trade market, the sell side of it, Marvin Jones, Detroit Lions. Guys, he's getting a bunch of hype right now with no Kenny Galladay out there. It's been two bad seasons for Marvin Jones. You saw Hawkinson get 10 targets last week. Marvin Hall getting involved. I get there's a case to be made that Marvin Jones is like a flex-worthy guy this week. That All of it is circumstantial. I get it. He could screw you so quick, and even if he doesn't, what's the long-term viability? I just think it's no big deal. You're not losing anything to ship Marvin Jones off. If you own him and don't need him this week, uh, find a way to throw him in a deal and get him out the door. Uh, Also on the wide receiver side of the Week 9 fantasy football trademark at the sell side of it, potentially, Mike Williams of the Los Angeles Chargers. Two out of three games really good the last few weeks for Mike Williams. Um, you know, but it was the same old Mike Williams that we've come to know the last few years, two weeks ago when he laid a zero and basically goose egged you. So two good games, a a goose egg sandwiched by two good, good games. Now the good games are looking pretty good. This is a better version of Mike Williams with Justin Herbert. And you know me, I love having an attachment to Justin Herbert this year. I mean, I'm just blown away with that guy as a young quarterback and he's putting up a lot of fantasy points. That's going to benefit the skilled players on his team. Uh, you know. But in the end, I still worry a little bit that I think ultimately we know kind of who Mike Williams is at this point, at least as a fantasy player, uh, and that's a little bit of a streaky guy, and in the end, he's still, at best, the number two on the team. I mean, Keenan Allen, clearly the number one. Um, there's also Hunter Henry to contend with, who certain weeks gets his target share, and In recent weeks, we've also seen other guys begin to pop off the wide receiver depth chart for maybe not a ton of volume, but some pretty big plays. And, um, you know, with those dudes rearing their heads, it just, you know, it's still, you still have to believe that Mike Williams is going to be kind of a hit or miss guy. And starting him on those weeks where he totally screws you is really, really tough. So I'd say with three juicy matchups on the horizon, if you need to keep Mike Williams and play him as your wide receiver three or a flex play it's fine. It's fine. But clearly, clearly he's a solid dude to market to a losing owner right now. You know, pitch to them that Mike Williams can help you win right now and for the next few weeks. Mike Williams and another guy that I'm going to send you can help you do that. Find, find the losing team in your league that that makes sense with if you're a Mike Williams owner, if they're in win now mode, and see if you can go get one of their best players in return. All right, folks, let's hop into the buy side of the Week Nine fantasy football trade market. Here we'll begin with one of the players that I have spoken about frequently, extensively on this podcast uh, in the last several weeks, and a guy that is still a source of my affinity at this point Miles Sanders, running back of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's missed the last two games with a banged up knee. All indications are it's not too serious. The Eagles have the bye this week. And uh, it appears he will return in Week 10. Not guaranteed, but appears as such. Look, Miles Sanders gets a favorable schedule rest of season when they return from the bye here. Philadelphia also, I think, is just getting healthier on offense. Goddard, Rager. And they're beginning to heat up a little bit. I mean, they're not scoring a ton of points yet, but I think anybody who's watching believes that the Eagles' offense is on the uptick right now. I mean, on the uptick enough to where, you know, crappy Boston Scott even looked pretty good the last two weeks. And what we know is that the Eagles were giving Miles Sanders a magnificent workload from a fantasy perspective in terms of snap counts, targets, carries out of the backfield um, when he has been healthy this year. And to me, I mean that's i think it's pretty clear that's their intention you know we'll see if they back off that at all since he's been a little nicked up which seems to be always be an issue with sanders uh that said we got to deal with the information we have and that's been that when sanders has been healthy this team has really really made him a focal point of the offense and that makes miles sanders a guy that i personally really really want to own down the stretch this season I would trade Zeke and another player for Miles Sanders in a New York minute right now if I had the luxury to do so. Staying on the buy side of the Week 9 fantasy football trademark market, the running back side, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie with the Indianapolis Colts, hadn't looked that great this season, been pretty good for fantasy, uh, but... He got left in the cold this last week, and there's a lot of question marks, a lot of acrimony surrounding Jonathan Taylor right now. We discussed Jordan Wilkins earlier, had the big game. Naeem Hines got in for the two touchdowns. Seemingly, Taylor not that injured. People wondering what in the hell is going on there, and also just this narrative out there that he doesn't look good as a rookie. All of those are fair criticisms. You know, Still, these are all calculated risks. None of these things are guaranteed, right? Uh, But look, week 10 through week 15 for the Colts, for Jonathan Taylor, is an amazing schedule for fantasy running backs. Taylor has six amazing matchups in a row at the most critical juncture of the fantasy football season. He gets Tennessee twice, Houston twice, Green Bay and Las Vegas, all during that week 10 to week 15 stretch. I'd bet on the come here. I'd take my chances while people are down on Jonathan Taylor right now. And, folks, I don't think you have to give up too much for him. As a matter of fact, he's a great candidate. If you're selling high on one of your better players to liquidate, get a couple guys that can help you in return. Taylor's one of those that I would look at. Obviously, you need to keep an eye on how much you think you can, he can help you this particular week. Um, but big picture, week 10 to 15, I think he's going to help some folks get some wins, some important wins down the stretch. Melvin Gordon of the Denver Broncos potentially on the buy side of the week nine fantasy football trade market. We spoke about Philip Lindsay earlier as a sell, and look, conversely, Gordon's value is a little bit depressed right now. Ultimately I'd take my chances with Gordon because I think he's the lead guy in Denver. I like that. We have drew Locke back. He's got a pretty good schedule. He's got that same schedule. We discussed as Lindsay, uh, I expect Gordon very likely to be an RB2 here down the stretch. Uh, and what that means is I would absolutely take my chances picking up Melvin Gordon as a flex or an all RB3 all day, every day right now. Uh, if I could, uh, I believe that's a, an intelligent strategic risk. Guys, every week we talk about some of the injured players that are out there um that are big name notable guys that if we're a winning team operating from a position of strength or luxury we got the assets to pull it off Uh, we're in the driver's seat i mean these are very interesting guys for us to pursue because a lot of times they're rostered by losing owners who have been taking l after l because they're just holding on to these guys for dear life and there comes a breaking point a tipping point where it doesn't make sense for those guys to hold them anymore and if these dudes are still a few weeks out from returning it not necessarily true. You have to pay a huge premium for, for them. I think these are great options, great players to look at stashing for that arms race uh, that is going to occur during, You know, as we lead up to the playoff run. Uh, this could very much be part of our strategy about pursuing the big names in fantasy football, big game hunting for a winning team preparing for our playoffs. Uh, Austin Eckler. He would fit that profile right now. You guys need to examine these players if you're a winning team in your league and just see what the hell's going on with them. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Chris Carson. And even on the wide receiver side, I'd look into Calvin Ridley and Kenny Galladay. I mean, it sounds like there's a risk there. But if I'm a winning team that is in the driver's seat and has the assets to give up for something like this, you know, I'm at least seeing what's going on with these guys. What's going on with the teams in my league that roster them? Uh, they all represent potential opportunity to swoop in and get a sweet deal on a player who may be able to help you significantly down the stretch. It's like Groundhog Day around here. Uh, it seems every episode we are somehow talking about a tight end uh surprised me a little bit this year but there's been some good opportunities on some decent guys and Mark Andrews has been a player that's been uh on this on this show a couple of times this year and you know none of these it's a tough year for tight ends if you don't own Travis Kelsey or maybe Darren Waller it's always a tough year for tight ends I think Andrews is a guy you can look to to just try to relinquish the headache plug and play the rest of the season If you can get a good deal on him and just see where the chips may fall. It's been two bad games and a bye in the last three weeks for Mark Andrews. So for his owners right now, it feels like it's been forever since Mark Andrews has had a good fantasy game. And the fact is, if they're looking ahead, there's not a lot of of relief in sight for Mark Andrews. This week, he gets the second worst matchup of the season at Indianapolis. Second worst matchup in the league for fantasy tight ends at Indianapolis, and then three out of the next four weeks, if you zoom out a little bit, are treacherous. Indianapolis, New England, and Pittsburgh are all included in that stretch. All of those teams are difficult matchups for the fantasy tight end based on the proprietary matchup tool over at rosterwatch.com. There is a solid matchup with Tennessee sandwiched in between there, but like I said, three out of the next four weeks are tough for Andrews. So look, the buy window on Andrews may very well stay open this next three or four weeks, as we head towards our trade deadlines, this probably won't be our last opportunity. And as a matter of fact, if you have somebody else good you can play right now, it might be smarter, you know, to buy in low on him and just bench him until the good matchups come up, or you know, maybe wait a week or two, um, and 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 look to buy a little closer to when these better matchups are going to be again uh, to pop later in the season as the schedule eases up, just in time for the fantasy playoffs. In week 13 through week 16, it gets a lot better for Mark Andrews. So keep that in mind. Have a plan there. But I think this is a great opportunity this week and maybe the next few weeks to key in on a tight end that could really solve a lot of problems, especially in the playoffs for us. Uh, I think if you need a tight end and you can get a deal on Andrews this week or in the next week or so, week or two, uh, I think you absolutely have to consider taking the chance. Okay, we started at the outset of the show with the concept that, you know, we have our buys, we have our sells, we have our buy lows, our sell highs, we have all these guys that are kind of targets. But as we move into this critical juncture of the season, when we're nearing the playoffs, and we begin uh, the arms race for the fantasy football playoffs, all of this outstanding talent-rich depth we've built across our roster, down our benches to navigate and fade the attrition of the season— All of a sudden, that's not really valuable anymore once the playoffs begin. And you're leaving a lot on the table every week if you have a lot of good players on your bench in the playoffs. That's a ton of player equity that should be front loaded into your starting lineup to have the most formidable starting lineup in the playoffs possible. Also, it's going to alleviate some headaches. Undoubtedly, if you have a stacked team, you're going to have so many headaches making sitter starts in the playoffs. I get that's a first world problem, uh, but life is much easier if you can just get as many must start guys on your roster into your starting lineup as the season progresses late, uh, not only to make it a most formidable starting lineup you can field for the playoffs, but also just make it no brainer, make it, must start, guys. That It's going to be a lot easier and a lot less stressful on you as a manager. So when I talk about after going after these big names, regardless of price tag, regardless of cost, um, even if they're not by lows, look, if you're a winning team that's already in first or second place, a one-loss team, or really in the driver's seat, and you've got a totally stacked roster top to bottom – I mean, the guys, you you should look at the guys we discussed today, but you should be more focused on the biggest names in all of fantasy football, the best players in all of fantasy football. I'm talking about Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, both of the Seattle wide receiver who were coincidentally like top three wide receivers on the season and half point PPR both of them right now just an unbelievable year for that Seattle passing offense Tyreek Hill I think fits the bucket could argue obviously that Julio Jones fits the bucket especially if Calvin Ridley is going to miss time you know personally I also still like Allen Robinson's upcoming schedule I think he's really going to help a lot of teams You know, he's not one of the big names or elite guys um but He's a player we bought low on last week that had a pretty good game. I don't think you're going to get a steal on him at this point, uh, but a player that's pretty good that I think can definitely help you. So, you know, even though those, none of those dudes are really, quote-unquote, buy lows this week, if you are a winning team operating from a position of strength, lavish with assets across your fantasy roster, these are the players you should begin to target, especially if they're on lo- losing teams, and trade basically whatever the hell you have to. To get these guys in return as long as you're not trading one of your other you know marquee must start guys that you plan on rolling out uh during the fantasy playoffs uh every week guys i try to leave you with some examples of some mock trades here so that you have a little bit of a template or a roadmap for deals you can begin to configure in your league this week uh so let's begin with a consolidation trade maybe a low-end consolidation trade for jonathan taylor i think this is sneaky this could be sneaky for your flex or RB three down the stretch, or if you're still just put, you know, putting good players on your bench right now and across the entirety of your roster. If you're in that mode right now, nothing that never hurts. Just keep stockpiling good players. You know, look, I think I would take Philip Lindsay and Marvin Jones this week and shop them for Jonathan Taylor. See if you can get something done for a deal similar to that. I don't think it's out of the question this week, uh, and I would absolutely try it if there's a struggling Jonathan Taylor with question marks about him in my league uh i i absolutely think that that is an example of potentially being opportunistic let's say i want to go after miles sanders this week one of my favorite guys to trade for a player i think is going to be a nuclear rb2 rb3 flex for winning teams down the stretch this season take zeke Elliott, take zach moss package those two guys together if you're a winning team Ship him off for Miles Sanders if you can absorb that buy this week. I would, I, I would much rather have him than either of those guys, and I don't care if you think you're overpaying. If you're looking to ship out Todd Gurley, maybe you own Mike Williams or Zach Moss. Package him. Consolidate him. Try to leverage him for a marquee player, an apex predator like Derrick Henry. Hell, I'd even trade three good players if I had to to a losing team in win-now mode to go after any of these ultra-premium big names, the best players in all of fantasy football. Now, look, if you're in a liquidation mode, let's say, again, you've identified your need that you are a team on the bubble or a losing team that is has to win, you're in win-now mode, and the reason you're struggling is because you're having to plug a couple of very marginal players in to your starting lineup every week because you're thin or you got a few holes, Guys, there's no shame in liquidating one of your best, most marketable players or assets to get somebody else to quote-unquote overpay you in return, help you win now, but get players you can have good matchups, you can feel good about the rest of the season, you need good players in return, um, but that is absolutely fine. It's not only fine, it's the right thing to do um, if you are in that situation. Once again, ladies and gentlemen at Roster Watch, we thank each and every one of you for your loyal and undying support the last 10 years as we've stood on the front lines of your fantasy football teams. It's an absolute honor, and I'd ask that each and every one of you, please, if you don't already, subscribe to the Rosterwatch channel on YouTube, follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch, make sure to visit us at rosterwatch.com or subscribe to the Rosterwatch podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, so long, Rosterwatch Nation.